Hello and welcome back to It's Your Money, the Mayor Brown Sword podcast, where we talk about how to make money work for you instead of you working for money. My name's Andrew Harrison. I'm a bit of a financial novice, but luckily Andy Mayer is here to make sense of things for me. Hello, Andy. How are you doing? It's good. I'm enjoying the warm weather, getting a tan top up in my dreams. Where are you getting warm weather? What country are you in? I don't believe this. You're making it up. <laughs> it's tropical. I played a football game Tuesday night and it was we had hail during the game. Unbelievable. There you go. Make a man of you. That's that's what it's all about. <laughs> so things are slowly unlocking bit by bit, aren't they? We've got non-essential shops back. You can go and sit in the beer garden, things like that. And we're getting these reports that economic growth is going to be very fast this year. Bank of England thinks it's going to be the fastest growth since 1949 when there had been a war, 7.25%. Are you getting the sense that this recovery might might be on now? I think the recovery is going to be a lot quicker than what I think many of us thought. The vaccine has been a massive plus for the country but i think we'll see that i think the economy will recover quicker but we do have to bear in mind that there is a huge debt to be repaid so on this episode just as everything's reopening and everybody's going back to work we're going to talk about retirement it's coming to all of us some sooner than others andy are people becoming more interested in being active in managing their retirement plans because i found this survey from smart pension that said that 73 percent of british adults want to be involved in managing their finances when they when they retire and lots of people basically lack understanding of how to do it i think a lot of people one of the biggest questions on the internet about financial services is how much do i need to retire with what's level of income do i need and i think people are trying to work out what they need to retire, I think COVID's a game changer. Some people are desperate to go back to work. Some people are desperate to change careers. And we've had two people recently that we're working with who are basically finishing work in the next two months. I don't say how much do you need to retire. It's a bit like, well, you know, are you Kim Kardashian or, or, or are you, you know, on 25 pound <laughs> a week? And so how long is a piece of string and how expensive is that piece of string? Do you like golden wallpaper in your flat? The question's like that. Let's look at what you should do before you retire in the long run up when it's not like next week. I mean, firstly, are there are there things changing in policy or in government activity now that we should be thinking about right now, that things are going to be different soon that we should be concentrating on? Well, state pension, which is often forgotten about by people in their planning, is moving in 2028 from the age of 65 to 67. Mm. And nothing would surprise me in the next two to three years if state pension age moved maybe to 70. So when people look at their pension, they should go on the government website and request their BR19. That's B for British, R for Rail 19. And it gives you a forecast of what you're going to receive. So if you've done 35 years of qualifying years on your national insurance, you're entitled to a full state pension, which is over £9,000 a year, which is a lot of money. I mean, I've always thought that sort of considered the state pension to be it's going to be negligible. Don't sort of depend on it. Don't imagine it's going to be a big part of your life. But if someone said to you now, Andrew, or anybody listening to this, someone's going to give you £9,000 pay rise a year, you take it. And they'd get my attention. They would say yeah. get my attention. <laughs> so yeah. when you base it on your plans, we have people who want a certain level of income. They retire or semi-retire at, say, 62. Knowing they're going to take more out of their pot for maybe the first five, six years, but base it on the fact that when they get to 65 or 66 or 67, the state pension comes in and gives them £9,000 boost a year. Mm. And yes. there's things we do, we do often, you're right, it's not going to allow everyone to go to the Maldives, but it pays an awful lot of your basic bills. 
if you covered on everything else, you actually could go to the Maldives on nine grand a year. If you, if that's if, if yeah. it was bonus, you know what I mean. So I mean, it is quite concerning, though, isn't it? That that sort of gap between what you what you think you might have, what you might need, your lack of knowledge about what you might need. I, I found another survey as I was rooting around Standard Life Aberdeen, or I think Aberdeen. We have to call them now. I don't know the name. <laughs> uh, but they they've discovered in their survey that sixty six percent of people retiring this year might run out of money if they just relied on their personal and state pension. And the average pension pot they found was £366,000. But a third of people that they surveyed had, had less than £100,000 saved. So, like, there is a big gap there, isn't there, for a lot of people? There's an awful big gap. And when you look at sustainability of income, so someone who's got £100,000 in a pot is realistically only going to be able to receive £4,000 to £6,000 a year. Mm. And depending on the returns... At £6,000 a year from a £100,000 pot, it'll run out after about 25 years. But then when people get to the time they're going to start taking the income, they need to look at their outgoings. But I think a lot of people, when they get paid every month, will check their tax coding. Mm. But how we, we come across it all the time when people ring us and say they've been given our name, and we say to them, send us the details, and we ask them what's in their pension pot. They're often without 30%, 40% accuracy. So sometimes people say, well, I think I've got about 80,000 and there's 50. Well, they say they think I've got 80 and there's 120 and you go in, but people don't manage their expectations. They don't look and think, mm-hmm. what am I going to need? Because it's one of the biggest pots of money we have. We all pretty much know what our house is worth, mm-hmm. but we often forget to check when we've got a company pension scheme and pots when we've left companies, what they're doing. We've just done some research for someone in London today. And hmm. um, we've worked out his wife's pension pot with an, uh, an old insurance company has underperformed by 50% against standard. What? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's just 50%. And yet it's a high equity content. So somebody who's left their pension ignored, instead of it having 33,000, you could have been looking at 50 odd thousand pound. Hmm. Now that is a massive difference. And if you take that forward over 5, 10, 15 years impacts people dramatically pensions people need to check like they do if they think their tax coding is wrong or if they think their take-home pay is wrong yeah and that can be just pounds this can be thousands of pounds but i would assume that now it's probably easier to be able to keep tabs on this on a regular basis now that pretty much everything is available digitally you can you know you don't on a lot of the things i mean i've got a little tiny pension from 20 odd years ago when i worked at a company for a very brief period of time and it's got like a couple of grand in it i only look at it when the statement comes around once a year or once every six months but if it's a larger thing like that presumably you can go to almost anybody's portal and check where yeah. it is right now but it's really important mm-hmm. because i remember meeting somebody a decade ago who'd left a lot of their money in cash because they were going to buy a property and five years later hadn't, and they'd missed a lot of growth. People mm. who invested thought that Japan was going to do great in the 1990s, saw a decade of stagnation where they made no money. So mm. it is really important that people look at their plans, their investment plans, whether it's a pension or an ICE or a bond, to make sure it's performing where it needs to be. It's not always about making the most amount of money. It's about making sure that the plan you've got is on track and you're going to get that pool of money or that income that you want the day you want to pack up work pensions got a terrible name during the 90s and the 2000s didn't they i mean not yep. just from selling but kind of bad performance and the general sense that the kind of sector had been left to be this wild west and, and like we were the suckers are they better and sounder now the charges now are magnificent i think you can generally get 
discretionary fund managers, funds involved, all in for about 1.5%. Previously, there used to be a buying buy and sell spread of 5%, annual management charge, policy fees. It would be about 5% a year. When you look at, if you rent a house out, the letting agents take about 10%. I think when you're getting some great funds all in at one and a half percent, generally that sort of ballpark figure, that's that's good value. So what about annuities then, which is even more arcane? Are they worth it? What's the trend within annuities? Should, should you be thinking about them? I think the problem with annuities, you're buying at the worst time in history. It's an all time low and you're making decisions that can't be changed. Where with new forms of pensions, flexible access drawdowns, you can turn a tap on and off to depend right. on your circumstances i just think annuities have gone i think it's a bygone product of a forgotten era and i suspect that there will be some form of hybrid annuities introduced over the next number of years but at the moment we wouldn't recommend anybody buys an annuity okay good good to know because i haven't got one so i don't, and I don't <laughs> want one excellent fantastic now tell me about like what's happening with tax-free allowances on your savings for particularly with reference to retirement what you know in which direction is the government moving what are the what are the best places to put stuff what's like to be future proof i think when you look at income coming in everyone tries to take advantage of tax-free allowances so if you've got a pension pot you're allowed 25 percent of that to come out of the pot tax-free so why wouldn't you take advantage of it you're allowed if you put money into an investment bond to take four and a half percent of your initial investment tax-free and any income you take from individual savings accounts is tax-free. And then you've got other areas such as venture capital trusts, which are high-risk products, but you can again take the dividend income tax-free. So there are various ways where people can have a lot of their income yeah. in retirement through different areas and products. And is that getting tighter or, uh, you know, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, you know, there's an awful lot of debt to pay back for Rishi. I think next year's budget will be a totally different one. This year we've saw, seen no tax rises, but mm -hmm. we're all paying more tax because of personal allowances being frozen. So I think next year will be the year of how we start paying this back. I still think we'll deliver... Because every 80 pence that you put into a pension, depending on your tax rate, you get at least 20%. If you're a 40% taxpayer, you get another 20% on top. And I think there, I don't think he'll want to reduce people's flexibility for retirement. And he certainly won't want to increase people's reliance on the state. But what tax changes he'll make to pensions or long-term savings will be interesting. Okay. Well, let's talk about what's, as you're getting closer to your retirement, what's going to happen as you're thinking in the next sort of year or so? Some people can decide when to retire, obviously. Others have it imposed upon them. I think the old gold carriage clock is part of history, isn't it? But some, <laughs> lots of people do have a kind of a finish line. How do you know when you've got enough? And if you're kind of coming to the finish line and maybe you haven't got enough, what can you do about it? I think when people look at their assets, we all forget that our house in the UK is because of the small island we are with a big population, our houses go up a lot. So equity release, again, 10, 20 years ago, a pretty terrible value. Now you can borrow against your property to supplement your income either through lump sums or monthly amounts. And they roll up now at about 4 to 5%. So whereas 
15 years ago, someone might have taken on a, an equity release to increase their pension, increase their income in retirement, and it might have doubled the debt every 15 years. Nowadays, not so much. And I think what people need to do is look and go, what level of income do I want? And plan it. I think it's like everything. If you decide on a Saturday morning you want to go to watch a football game and it's two hours away and you leave yourself with two hours to get there, you're probably going to miss the start of the game and not get a ticket. Mm. And I think the key is, I was speaking to someone, somebody we look after, Rod, who every time I phone him, he's been retired a year, smiles. Oh, right. he, he doesn't stop smiling. He's doing, he's doing his music. He loves it. But he planned it for a number of years. He knew what he was going to do financially. Mm. And he knew what he was going to do psychologically. And he knew what he was doing emotionally. And he planned his retirement. And every time I see him on Zoom, mm. he doesn't stop smiling. Mm. Because he planned it. And I think that's the key with retirement. It is. I saw a great speaker called Tom Hegner in the States, an economist. And he said a lot of people have the money to retire, but then they haven't got the psychological profile. They lose status. They lose motivation. I had somebody we've looked after, one of our first investment clients, openly admitted he retired at 56 and he felt it was too young looking mm. back. Like when you plan a holiday, you go and look at where you want to travel to. You look at how you're going to get there. You need to plan your retirement, not just financially, but with all the other areas that are associated with maybe saying goodbye to colleagues you've worked with for a number of years. But there are other people who can't wait to retire because they don't enjoy their jobs. Mm. Yeah. I mean, some, just going back to what you said about houses, because the housing market, bizarrely, is going crazy, isn't it? I mean, uh, the stamp duty holiday has effectively transferred a load of money to people who've got quite valuable houses to keep the market stoked. If you are in that position of wanting to borrow against your house or even downsize, I'm presuming it's actually quite a good time to do that as values are, have been pumped up. When you talk about this, it's quite ironic because you can pass your pension plan down to your next generation inheritance tax-free, hmm. but your house is part of your estate and becomes liable for inheritance tax if you're over the threshold. Okay. So by taking 20 30% out of your house can reduce your inheritance tax planning and boost your income considerably. And some people prefer to do that because they love the neighborhoods, they love the house, they don't want to have the stress of moving rather than downsizing. Previously, people would move house downsize, but you've worked all of your life. You get to 65, you want to spend some time in your house, and then you, you both decide you're going to sell because you haven't got enough mm. money. So now people are looking and saying, no, I'm going to take the money out of the house, and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, I would, I, I, what you're saying about sort of being emotionally prepared for it, because they're kind of, the, the you know, the fear, I suppose, is that you, you work for ages and ages, and then you end up living in a place that's a bit pokey that isn't really where you saw yourself because that's where you put your money. Yeah, I think I think if you plan well enough, but I think now if you look at a house price, say of, let's say you get to sixty-seven, your house is valued at three hundred thousand, for example. Mm. One of the equity release people will lend you about a third of it, or they'll lend you mm. a monthly income. So it's a way of boosting. And if one of my clients locally, Sandy, once said, "I bought he bought his house thirty years ago for thirty thousand, and it was then worth three hundred thousand. He said, "I've improved it, obviously, but he said yeah. I bought it to live in it." Why wouldn't I have some of the money to spend on myself in my later years? Let's talk a little bit then, finally, just about sort of thinking about money during your retirement while you are retired. 
the notion that you can kind of just have a, have a fire and forget retirement, you know, reach the finish line, that's it, bingo, done. That survey, the smart pension one I mentioned earlier, said that something like 35% of people do want to manage their finances in retirement all by themselves. They want to do it themselves. What should you be thinking about, you know, maybe if you're about to retire right now or if you're imagining yourself doing it when you do, what sort of personal involvement should you be having? Should it be as present in your mind as it is maybe when you're in the run-up to retirement? I think it's probably the most important stage because if you've got a pot of money, we would always recommend whether you work with us or somebody else, but you work with a financial advisor to make sure your money's in the right areas, that we check that you're not going to run out of money. And it's a bit like going to a doctor sometimes. You just need the reassurance that you're not actually ill. Sometimes people (laughs) need the reassurance that you're not going to run out of money. And I think we like to meet people annually, but we also think it's massively, massively important when you're taking income to make sure it is sustainable, that you're not running out. Of all the people we've retired, basically we find people when they hit mid-80s don't spend as much money as they did. And Mm. the old analogy is that in retirement, people spend most of their money in four years. First two years traveling, Mm. and unfortunately the last two years in care homes. Mm. And I think with good planning, people can have a great retirement, do what they want, and everyone's retirement is different. Somebody I know wants to go walking in the lakes every two weeks. Some people want to do sports trips. Some people want to, like Rod, want to play his music. But if you plan it, you're going to have a great retirement and can enjoy it and be fulfilled. But I think it's planning it to make sure that the level of income that you're going to receive from your plan. And I think there's, I think too many people believe that a £200,000 pension pot will pay them £20,000 a year. It won't. Mm. If you look at a return of 4 to 5% with good management, accessibility, it won't run out. So if you've got £200,000 in a pension pot, you should be looking to take eight to £10,000 a year. With your state pension on top of that, then you are around the yeah. sort of towards yeah. £20,000. But it depends on what people's cost of living is and where they yeah. live and what they need. So if you're living in London, it's a lot more expensive than in, if you're living in the north of England. I don't know, Andy. Free tra- free travel on buses and trains down here, you know. Great. <laughs> you can't get on the buses when the buses are running, when we're not in a pandemic. You can't get on them for, except for old people using their Freedom Pass. I'm jealous. The sort of thing is that when you look at the cost of living, and everyone has a different level of needs. Somebody I know I'm talking to in Newcastle at the moment, great, great life, just wants to finish his job, but knows what he needs to live on has planned it and he's going to have a really nice retirement. But some people look at it and go, no, I want to do four weeks in the Maldives. I want to change my car every two years. Now that's a different cost. If you go, no, I just want to get up, go for a walk and be happy and not really have a a consumerist life. It very much depends on how you see your money and what you want to do with it. Well, something that I wanted to ask you about, because you've mentioned it yourself, is the idea of sort of semi-retirement, mixed retirement, hybrid retirement, where you don't just, you don't stop work. But you wind down and you do less and you choose what you're going to do. Maybe you get a part-time job. Maybe you go part-time with your current employer because they value certain things that you can do for them. Firstly, does that affect state pension, for instance? No, as long as you've got your 35 qualifying years in, you're fine. But what hybrid retirement does, it gets people ready for retirement. But more importantly, we save money in the early parts of our life as much as we can Often the last two or three years before we retire, there isn't any need. So if you look at a pension plan that's, say, got 300000 in it, Andrew, and you hit 62 and you go, I'm not working five days, I want to work three, but I can't save any money because that's just going to give me enough money to live on. 
But if you don't touch that pension plan and it had £300,000 in it for three years and it grows at 5% a year, you're at about 345000 So by just working part-time, you've given yourself greater income in retirement and you've extended because obviously every year you work and don't take your pension, we're all on our longevity curve. We're, we're sort of closer to death. You'll get a bigger income. So a hybrid retirement, just delaying taking your pension is one of the, the greatest things you can do to give yourself a successful retirement financially. And the people I've seen do it, it's also allowed them to start building in hobbies and it allows them to sort of look at what retirement looks like. So in a sense, I suppose like what's been happening over the past year, everybody sort of dipped to their toe. Even if you're like in your forties or your thirties, you've dipped your toe into that mixed world, haven't you? Because you've had to work from home or you've been furloughed. Yeah. And I think many of the Celtic players have had a hybrid retirement this year. I think many of them have decided not just to turn up on a Saturday. But I think many of the people listening to this would feel about their football or rugby fans of uh, teams. But the people who've done hybrid retirements where they've gradually slowed down, and it's often the case that people have changed career and just got, got rid of the stress and found a job for two or three years where it just covers their living costs. Dramatic impact on retirement funding and lifestyle. And it's a really great thing to do. So if you know you want to start taking your pension from the age of 63, but you want to get out of your current employer at 60, you might just go and find another job and just cover the basic living costs. Hugely, hugely beneficial. It's certainly a thought. Andy, thanks as ever for explaining this stuff. What is the one big takeaway you'd want everybody to focus on then at the end? What do you think we should be bearing in mind? I think people should plan for their retirement. Keep monitoring your money through either myself or another financial advisor to make sure you're on track. But plan your retirement, plan your holidays, but don't just turn up at 63 thinking it's going to happen because it won't. If you plan it, you can have a great retirement. You can have a successful one. But for some people, Andrew, they don't want to retire. They love their jobs. So it's about using the money for the right areas. But some people want to finish and it's just getting it planned right sounds good to me andy thanks for joining me for the podcast again what are you up to now are you going to go and sit in a rainy beer garden no i was actually meant to have a football game tonight but i got injured playing tuesday so i'm gonna go grab a cup of tea put a thermal coat on and go and watch fisk reserves play uh, i think we're playing ulster town or stratford town tonight and hopefully get a win Okay, right. Enjoy it, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. We hope you found the podcast useful. If so, please do follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're in almost all of those places. And then every new edition will pop up automatically on your app as a delightful surprise. Andy, good to talk to you. And you, Andrew. Everybody, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.